a medieval Gaelic and Welsh society. A professional storyteller was known as Bard. They were poets and singers skilled in composing and reciting verses, mostly recalling tribal warriors' deeds of bravery. But they also communicated family histories, and they passed them down from generation to generation. What they recognized about the human spirit, that one way to make sense of the world was through the power of story. Flash forward to the modern era, and we see the power of storytelling on display through the books we read, the movies we watch, and the songs we sing. But whether we know it or not, human beings have been telling stories for centuries, often without ever saying a word. And what we know about the art and science of communication, that the body often speaks before the mouth opens. Thus, how do we tell our stories non-verbally? What is the measure of a man or a woman before they even have anything to say? In the words of Mark Twain, the clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. And if you ever need assistance to tell your story, and you want to know how to influence society, you need not travel very far. Today's guest is a modern-day bard. A powerful storyteller himself, his mission is as simple as it is poetic to help you tell your story. He seeks to understand who you are, what drives you, discover your goals, and integrate a custom wardrobe that exemplifies your true self. Eventually, he gives you the tools to go out into the world and tell your story. His name is Matthew Banaber. He is CEO and founder of Bard's Clothing. And Matthew, welcome to A Climb to the Top Stories of Transformation. Chuck, thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting. It's great to have you here. Now, to our viewers who are watching us on YouTube, and to our listeners who don't, I want you to key in on the setting. Matthew, where are you and what's behind you? Absolutely. So I am a direct seller of Bart's Clothing, meaning I go to clients' homes, offices, wherever they would have me. I have no brick and mortar location. So right now you're getting a peek into my own personal wardrobe. This is my closet. Behind me is a rack of clothing and my valet that I use every night, set up my outfit for the next day. I use my own clothing as samples, try-ons to show the range of what I offer. So I am actually a walking billboard for what I sell. And you came to identify, obviously, by the name of your company, Bard Clothing. Why did you choose that? So my whole life has been revolved around storytelling. People have always associated me with being a good storyteller. I've always told me, oh, Matt, you tell the story. You tell it so much better. So that's always been a big part of who I am. And when I got into clothing, I started to see all of this overlap. And I actually graduated as a history major. So it was a big focus of me. Uh, it was a big focus of mine to understand lineage, how things progress over time. And when I got into clothing and especially finer clothing, people started to tell me more about I need this outfit because I'm speaking in front of a thousand people and I need to inspire them. Or I'm getting married and I really want the focus to be on the two of us. Or I'm getting married and I don't want the focus to be on me. I want the focus to be on my spouse. 
people told me how they wanted to be perceived and what they brought to the table leading up to that day, or if it's gonna be a garment that they're gonna wear for 10, 20 years, what they wanted that to really say about who they were. So when it came down to it, this is your very typical, almost lightning hits the brain moment. I was sitting at my computer, two, three in the morning. I'm Googling words about storytelling. I'm looking up professions. I'm looking at the entire world. I found out so much more about the storytelling world. But more importantly, this word came up, which was a bard. And I, it was just, yes, that is everything I wanted to be. That is the direction I want to take this. I want that is the action I want to have with my clients. I want the focus to be on them, on their story, because working in retail, there's so much focus on look at this shiny thing. You should buy it. Your life will be better if this is in your life. Whereas my focus and my passion really comes from you're the amazing, unique part of this equation. I can add something that might push you along a little bit further, but it's only going to round out your story. This garment is nothing without your story to complement it. And Matt, when I think about good storytellers, often one characteristic that we attach to a good storyteller is relatability. And you make public right on LinkedIn that your origin or your story to the United States is a bit unusual and that you came to the United States, you were born in Honduras, and you were adopted into a very large family. Take us back to where your story began, because I have to believe, and you can confirm that this is part of the story you tell yourself was shaped way back when, before you even considered being a bard. Absolutely. When I look back at my life, to me and to most people, they look at their own lives, they look inward and they say, you know, it's, it's a story, but it's nothing crazy. But when I tell it to other people, their emotions, their reactions are just so overwhelmed with surprise that it showed me that people's unique stories really resonate much more with another person. So my story, I was born in Honduras. I was adopted at three months old, four months old. And I am now a member of a family of 10. So my parents had five biological children. And then after the fifth, decided to adopt. And they wanted to go to the country that needed the most help in the late 80s. That was Honduras. They went to Honduras. They adopted two children, myself and my sister, non-biologically related. They brought both of us home. After that, they got a knack for adoption. They went on to adopt several more children, uh, two more from Honduras, and my youngest sister is from Haiti. My adoptive parents are white. My youngest sister from Haiti is black. Four of us are Hispanic. So we've got a range of colors, ethnicities. We bring everything to the table. My, brother um just married a woman from taiwan so <laughs> what the heck let's just add to the melting pot while we're at it that's exactly 
Well, that's exactly. such, a, so, such a lovely American story. It's great. And I, I'm always fascinated when I sit down with somebody that I don't know, and they tell me, I've got one brother. I, to me, I'm like, what is that like? Right. You have one sibling? That is amazing. What? You, there's silence in your home? You, you just kind of have a conversation and then move on? To me, it's just chaos. I mean, I, the first time I was ever home alone, I was 22 years old. It was such a surreal experience. I would imagine growing up on a Sunday evening at the Banerver family, particularly if it's Thanksgiving or some holiday, there's a lot of food and a lot of noise. There absolutely is. And what's very interesting is I also only have one cousin. My father's an only child. And um, my mother has a sister who had one uh, son. So when it's my family, it's my family. There's no big, massive family reunion. It's just us. So Thanksgiving is pretty much the same as dinner every night. A couple more people now that we've had uh, nieces and nephews join the fray. uh, But it is, we usually top out at a small family gathering of just essential people is around 40 people. It's a small gathering. (laughs) Matt, Matt, as you were growing up, conscious of you were in a place that was ethnically diverse or culturally diverse, you were Americans. Where did you grow up? In Connecticut? I grew up in Farmington, Connecticut. Right. So you grew up very much idyllic America. What was the story you were telling yourself through your formative years about how you related to the world and how the world related to you? My story was very confusing when I was growing up, being in a ethnically diverse family, there was a lot of self-imposed, do I I identify with this race? Do I identify with this race? Why is racial identity really important? People had always told me, do you ever wanna go back to Honduras? you should really know where you came from. There was a lot of just confusion about what that really meant. I don't speak Spanish either. And people told me I wasn't a real Hispanic if I don't speak Spanish. And I started to really have an issue with these self-imposed identities that people had for other people. And I started to see that Losing your true self was very easy to do when you got lost in the expectations of society. So growing up in completely suburban America with a nice beard and tan skin, um, definitely I had my fair share of rough and tumble experiences with race, with people who were just ignorant all around. and. I was always very confused because a lot of the people who had said things to me, you know, racially charged um, sentiments toward me, I could only be taken aback by wondering, you don't even know that most of my family is white. You don't even know that I was raised in Farmington. You're just so focused on the color of my skin, the exterior. And it really showed me how important the exterior is. So I looked for ways to 
balance that. And I did my dabbling of baggy clothes. All right, I'll commit to this kind of look or it never really felt right. But when I started to dress well, especially post-college, because I was also raised in the church where we had to wear nice clothing every Sunday. So I had a little bit of identity with dressing nicely. But post-college, I started to really dive into clothing. And I saw that every single time I wore clothes, it wasn't really focused on my heritage or my background. It was, you look nice. You talk well, you present yourself well. It was very much in the moment. And once I had people hooked on that moment, then they wanted to know more about me. Instead of a flash judgment, right about everything that is my heritage from seeing me, they were very interested in, you look really nice. You look like someone I want to get to know. And that dynamic really shifted a whole train of thought in my mind and put me in a position to be focused on networking with individuals, with how can I capitalize on this? How can I look for other people who maybe have a problem with self-identity? And my friends, a lot of people I know are uh, working corporate America, there's dress codes. And I hear them talk about, yeah, you know, I, I don't really wear nice clothing because I don't have to. And I, I just, I find myself wondering what's that like being waking up every day and feeling like you need to be told what to do for your exterior. Mm -hmm. Just do, do whatever makes you happy. If, well, this is, this is, I, I don't know, Matt, whether what you're communicating is ironic or opportunistic, because on the one hand, it's interesting how people made judgments about you from the beard, the brown eyes, the brown hair, or the complexion. And we are unconscious bias causes human beings, not through any offense, but to immediately begin to form judgments. What do we see? All good. And yet, here you are focusing on the exterior. When this exterior prior to the clothes making the man or the woman, you were very conscious of that exterior that may not have always been in your favor because people formed those judgments. Yet you decided to turn that on its head. And here you go, lean into that discomfort. Take us through the evolution of where you made that decision that I am going to do this. I am going to found Bard's clothing and I am going to help people to tell their stories. I had worked in retail for 10 years from massive chains to boutique shops. Every single one, I felt very connected to the customers. I felt very connected to the product, but I didn't feel connected in how it was being conveyed, how the message of what buying clothing meant to the person. And the relationships that got developed, I always felt like there was more to it. There was something so unsatisfying when a client came in to try on their custom garment, say in my later years, and they would try it on and they would say, all right, well, it fits. And then they would walk out the door. There was something just not sitting well with that. I wanted more out of these relationships. And I developed relationships with clients over the years 
that had become friendships and we would text and go out to dinner. And that to me was so amazing because then over time I could text them and say, hey, you mentioned this event that you have coming up in a couple months. I saw this and I thought of you here, you should get this. And they would immediately react with, you get me, you understand what I'm going for. This isn't something that I would normally wear, but it automatically feels so comfortable to put on. And I feel like I'm myself in it. So when I started to look at that, I started to really focus on how can I bring two things that I was very um, focused on learning. One was storytelling, and one was inspiration. How can I blend these two together with my developed skills in retail? Because I knew that's where I wanted to stay. Because most of my clientele who are buying luxury garments are C-level um, individuals. So how, do, how do I blend all of these worlds together while inserting myself into that world? What you were doing, Matt, you were helping them make an, an emotional investment in themselves. Is that a fair statement? That is absolutely. And once fair. they capture that emotional investment, that's the heart. That's the internal. You help them to complete it on the external. So yeah. take us through to, to, to our viewers. We are fortunate enough to be in a place where the, the physicality of this show, and I wanted it to come out. Matt, first explain your intention. You are dressed in a certain way. Is, is this... Well, Walk us through how you thought about it, and then let's just change the complexion. Let's say you're going to do something else. Help us understand how we change our mind and heart given the situation. One of the first questions that people have are, can I wear this to this occasion and this occasion? Can I, I, I like it, but I don't know how much use I'm going to get out of it. So going, to, going into any conversation, I'm always trying to get the span of the individual's lifestyle. Do they have a summer home? Do they not? Do they go up to Vermont often? What do they do? So I'm usually always trying to present myself in the most formal manner. So I'm usually always in a suit. It's hard to talk somebody into a suit when I'm not wearing one. It's easy to talk somebody into a sport coat if I'm already in a suit. Right. So I can always have control of the situation and they also feel a bit more all right he knows what he's doing he's not just walking up in khakis and a blue blazer right so for today we're talking about self-discipline how to push yourself in a position of controlling your scenario so i'm in a suit more importantly the what the reason i chose this outfit is to revolve around the shirt so this is an olive suit. It's an olive plaid suit with a striped shirt and a diagonal striped tie. Most people would say, there's no way I could wear that. You can pull that off, but I can't. Those are always the immediate reactions. But I show them, hey, are you looking at me and thinking, oh my gosh, he's such a fashionable guy. Most people are just looking and saying, that works. Yeah. And that's that level of comfort that I want people to get. It doesn't need to be a massive leap. It just needs to be something simple. So I'm focusing right now on the shirt. And when I want to change the dial, I need to just strip away a couple layers. So 
I'll take off the jacket and you can see the shirt a little bit more in its detail. I can drop the tie clip. I can drop the tie. And then I pull something as easy as a blue blazer off my rack. Put this on. Unbutton a button or two. Now this shirt I specifically made for myself. It has contrast fabric on the inside to wear with a blue blazer, nice and easy. Now this is business casual, dress for your day. This is where most people are in their professional settings today. I need something to look nice, but not too flashy. This looks great. This is just a blue blazer and a shirt. The big difference is, is that it's tailored. It's made for me. It's doing all the things I need it to do. Using clothing as a tool, not just as an ultimatum to get myself through this day because society deems I need to wear clothing. This is my tool. And now look, I am mirroring somebody who is conducting this podcast. Unintentionally, by the way, for all the viewers. <laughs> right. I, I will note to our viewers, in fact, when, when I take off my jacket, I want to take that off, you will notice there's a couple things that I have as well. As I take off my jacket, and I have similar, I too have blue cufflinks that I match to my, I don't know what you call this pattern shirt, and then I put on this particular jacket, which I've caught a gone in blue. We did not prescribe this, but it is very unusual. Perhaps it's part of our mind melt. Yet, Matt, what I recognize, what I do, what you do, that powerful metaphor is we are all on a stage and we're all actors on that stage. And what you just did, you went backstage, you did your wardrobe change, and immediately through just two simple motions, you now assumed a slightly different, I don't know if identity, a slightly different cover. Now- yeah. Take us through again. Give us another cover. If we had to think about another occasion, what else can we do? Same shirt. We're going to dial back. I like to talk about it as changing the volume, per se. So we're going to turn down the volume and just make this nice and casual. So I'm going to drop the blue blazer, which, again, most people would assume is very casual. The cuffs on the shirt are contrast. And I'm going to roll them up to be very casual. Yeah, it's a totally different vibe as we watch. You know, sometimes we don't watch ourselves, yet when we watch yep. it and someone else is like, oh, my God, you've taken it to another place. And due to the amazing uh, technology of Zoom, you couldn't really see my lower half. I'm wearing jeans. So all I'm going to do is untuck my shirt and I'm ready to go to a brewery. I'm ready to go hang out somewhere. I'm ready to be casual, go to a family event, maybe a family dinner, or just out to dinner with friends. There's one shirt took me through C-level executive to business casual to casual. So when people talk about, am I going to get versatility out of this outfit? That's given. Or if you give me the information that I need about your lifestyle, I'm going to get you the, the ultimate place of versatility. And I'm going to put you in a position where you unconsciously can get dressed in the morning. I know that this shirt fits. I know that this pant works with this. I know that these jackets all fit perfectly. Most people are very much 
um, spontaneous buyers. We buy something because, hey, I need it. But then what happens when we look back, I can only wear this shirt with these couple jackets because the sleeves on the shirt are a little long. I can only wear these pants with this jacket because they're a more tapered pant. I'm looking to build a whole wardrobe so unconsciously you can just get dressed and know to, how to conquer the day. To me, getting dressed is a very essential part of self-discipline. There are so many people who get up in the morning, they are ready to dominate the day and they also go out and do that. But what happens is between the shower and leaving the door, they come into their wardrobe and say, eh, well, okay, these pants work and then they leave. So in their mind subconsciously, they're already putting in a little uh, safeguard of mediocrity. There's, well, I'm just gonna wear it, I'm gonna move on. Focus on your wardrobe. Your wardrobe is how people are gonna perceive you. If you have the same self-discipline as you do in your diet, as you do in your exercise, as you do in work, if you put that into your wardrobe and you go out there, you're gonna interact with people and you're gonna have interactions where people are saying, wow, you look really sharp today. Even if you're just in jeans and a button down shirt, people will say, I like those cuffs. Oh, wow, look at those shoulders, they look so great. And you're gonna get that hit of dopamine again and again and again, and it's just gonna push you further. So you're setting yourself up for a position to win because your biological response to this is, I, how can I be better? How can I achieve more? It's a snowball effect that a lot of people aren't using. But if you use your wardrobe as an arsenal, fill it with the right tools, it's a snowball effect that will only make you elevate as a human being the further you go into your career. And Matt, the relationship between the stylist, tailor, haberdasher, whatever you – well, let's, let's, let's get to that. When somebody asks you your, your self-proclaimed profession – do you say bard or do you say something else? I usually use the term clothier. Okay, let's stop there. The relationship between that individual, your client, and you is a very intimate thing. And I would imagine the skills necessary to be a good clothier are transferable to many different professions. Describe the skills that are necessary when somebody comes into your domain what are those interpersonal skills that are most important in order to establish that heart-to-heart -heart connection and actually and persuade? That's what you're doing. You're persuading them and provoking them to think differently about themselves. How does that work? You bring up persuasion, and the immediate person that comes to mind is Daniel Pink and his book, which should be essential reading, To Sell is Human. No question. Selling is everything. Yep. Absolutely everything. And he says that the new ABCs, the old ones were always be closing. The new ones are um, attunement, buoyancy, and clarity. Mm -hmm. Those are your essential tools when selling. My job, my whole reason for getting up is to understand you, what you want, what you desire, what you're hoping to achieve. I need to understand everything there is about what you want to achieve out of life and what you bring to, bring to the table. I've got all my fabrics. I, I, I can do something with that, but I need you to be a little bit more transparent and let's have a conversation about what you want to achieve. And we're going to move forward knowing that. 
So understanding that it's not about me, it's about you is number one. And I think that that also comes down to why dressing well, I think is so important. Tom Ford has an amazing quote where he says, dressing well is a form of good manners. Okay, your, your dress code, your dress code is business casual. No one's telling you not to go above and beyond that. There are other people that have to look at you. There are other people that react to how you look. So if you elevate your style a little bit more, people will be very receptive to that. People will well, yeah, some people advise even in, in my world is be one layer up from where everybody else is because you can always bring it down, but if you're down, you can't go up. Absolutely. Why we have kind of sunken into this race to the bottom. I get where it came from in a response to the 1950s. Everybody had their charcoal suit, and this is much more of like a breaking of that uniform. But now we're starting to see it go back up. During the whole recession or during the whole uh, quarantine pandemic, luxury clothing climbed. People were actually looking for luxury clothing. I can't wait to get back out there. There's something so essential about human interaction. There's a desire to look good for your fellow human. And there really is a biological response to when somebody says, wow, you look so nice. It just puts a smile on your face and you wanna go forward and you wanna say, well, what else can I put together? They like that outfit, what, what more can I do? And Matt, right behind your, your right elbow, I think what I see are your fabrics. Um, can you, do I have that right? Yes. Can you grab them? Yeah. Can, can you just just put them on display as you help somebody to understand fabric, texture, colors, patterns? Walk us through that. Help someone who may not have experienced before. Bring them into this. What happens? Yep. So I will show up to your home or office, wherever you'd like me to. I'm usually always going to walk <laughs> the measuring tape. I like to think of it, it's very similar to my stethoscope. If you walk into a doctor's office and they come in without their stethoscope, it's kind of odd. So this is mine. Good thinking. I'm going to bring a range of fabrics. What's interesting about being a direct seller and me being a board is that I work directly with the mills and I work directly with the manufacturers. There's no middleman in terms of styling or what's coming out this quarter, this season. It's... The here and now, it's who you are. We're going to make an outfit that's going to last. It's going to be timeless. So I work with the mills directly. I get fabrics from several different mills. I've got three books here from Huddersfield, Trudy, and Dorme, Paris, England, Italy. All of them have a range of offerings in terms of how they style their own fabrics. So I use the analogy a lot when I talk about clothing. It's very similar to buying a car. Is a Rolls Royce a better car than a Jeep Wrangler? Yes. Do you need a Rolls Royce as your everyday car? No. The same way fabric is better, best, not necessarily. A lot of people come in, they always want the super 150s, super two, whatever, this and that. They want to drop all these fabric names and all it doesn't matter what's your lifestyle are you in and out of planes all the time i'm not going to give you a delicate silk fabric if you're going to be tearing it in in a really rough environment all the time so i'm going to move you over to maybe an english cloth that's got a little bit more heft to it 
So I'm gonna show you fabrics that have a little bit more durability. They're not less luxurious by any stretch of the mind. They're still gonna have all of your desired needs in them. Then we're gonna style that with the fabric and make the garment how you want to be presented. So say softer shoulders, if you don't want that intimidating pose, maybe a lower button stance to give you a nice slimmer, sleeker look, more tapered sleeve. All of that comes after the fact, after we choose a fabric. If you're looking for more of that rustic Americana, but also Italian fresh style, we're gonna to go to a fabric book like this. Or we're gonna find something that maybe you're gonna do in an unconstructed garment. No, no lining, no nothing. Just you and the fabric, throw it with jeans. You're gonna be perfect. Dorme is fantastic. They're one of the best in the world in terms of what their uh, capabilities are. Again, this is a silk blend fabric that I've made for a couple clients who want a blue blazer that they don't wear that often, but they do need that nice blue blazer and they get hot easily and they're in boardroom meetings where they're kind of uncomfortable. I gave them this, you're gonna breathe easy, you're gonna be comfortable, you're, it's gonna feel like you're wearing pajamas in the middle of this amazing room. And then we get focused on the fun stuff, what people know as custom clothing, the linings. So I'm always gonna choose a fun lining, something like that, something different. There's a lot of online gimmicks with ordering custom suits, you know, pick your lining, pick your buttons, pick your this. That, that's all the, the superficial details. What I'm very focused on is how do we construct a garment for you that's going to serve you the best possible. I focus on American-made garments. Right. So my clothing is made in Brooklyn. My clothing is made in Rochester. My clothing is made in um, New Jersey. It's all here. I know the people who are stitching your garments together. I can text them and say, hey, can you actually add in a little bit of the fabric in the seat because they said that their pants are a little tight and they tear the seat. I have those relationships with my manufacturers. That's the same relationship I wanna have with my clients. I've got clients who text me from wherever they are in the world and say, hey, I'm wearing the shirt, it's amazing, I love it. I'm trying to button the buttons and I needed to do it in a rush and I ripped the button off, some of that. I'm like, oh my gosh. So then I tell the manufacturer, hey, reinforce the buttons because this guy is just kind of going crazy. Things happen, but having that relationship with clients, they can tell me, you know, I want my presenting suits where I'm just standing and it falls immaculate and it's a little bit slimmer. And then they tell me I want my travel suits that are a little bit more of a stretchy fabric, that are wrinkle resistant, that are a little bit more roomy, so I can make that. And then there are other clients who want every single thing exactly the same because they can, they want to be able to get dressed blindfolded right. and not have to worry about it. Well, Matt, Matt, one thing that we didn't get into that we are now to, to mark some historical time, we are in May of 2021, about 14 months into this global pandemic. 
I applaud your courage because you launched Bard's Clothing when we all went indoors. That is the ultimate contrarian investment. <laughs> Why did you decide to do it when everyone else was heading indoors and not wearing suits? How did you find the courage to do the opposite? I got um, the stay-at-home order. I was working in luxury clothing. Obviously, luxury was the furthest thing from essential you could get. Right. So I was home for three months, and I really just started focusing on reading, on like, what I could do. I did write a business plan for a brick-and-mortar store in all of 2019, and I pitched it to a couple people, and I was ready. I wanted to make this happen in 2020. All the investors backed out, and they said no in December long before COVID, 2020 happens. I said, oh, well, I move on. Then three months later, the world shuts down. Thank God I didn't have a brick and mortar store. Did you a favor? It would have been a whole different story. Yeah. So then I'm sitting there. What can I do with this, this, the residual drive that I had gathered from that year? I started reading Brene Brown. I started focusing on Ryan Holiday, on that, that dead time, on what I can do for that. And I just found myself being focused on clothing, on direct selling. It was a time as old business uh, model. And I knew that I wanted to call it Bards. And I were like, well, Bards traveled around and they told people stories. This is what I wanted to call my company two years ago. And here we are. Let me just put this all together and uh, let me just do this. And it was one of those, I just need to do it moments. That's I fantastic. And I, and I applaud you and congratulate for having the courage to do that. And you know, sometimes, you. sometimes there was that silver lining in that gray cloud where the word universe did you a favor and not getting the store that you thought you needed was getting you really what you wanted because now you were able to launch that business with minimal capital, if any at all. Mm -hmm. in, in the time we have remaining, Matt, as you speak to your viewers, what do you want them to think about how they tell their story to the world? I want people to think about their fellow human, what it's like being in their shoes, what it must be like to live their story and want to know that other person's story, but also focus on how to tell their own story. And we've talked a little bit about self-discipline before. I think self-discipline is really a big part of dressing well, not just doing what is expected and required of you. Go above and beyond, especially in these times where the whole world just reeled through this awful, awful pandemic, we're looking for a little bit more love, a little bit more happiness, a little bit more drive and passion kind of infused in our world. So what we can do is we can look for ways to elevate ourselves. So dressing is such an essential part of who we are as human beings. And there's so much we say, don't judge a book by a cover. It happens. But we do. Lean into that. Yeah. I wanted to tell my story. I want people to see that. If you are somebody, say, a financial advisor, and you want people to know that you're detail-oriented, and yet your sleeves are down to here and your pants don't fit. You're you're tell, not, you told your story. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you are not detail-oriented. 
You know, it's that's a perfect example of when I walk into a room, people immediately see me and see creative, they see detail-oriented, they see this. That is what happens when you tell your story through clothing. Indeed, the body speaks before the mouth opens. And Matt, where do we find you? You can find me online at www.bardsclothing.com, Bards Clothing on Instagram, or Bards Clothing USA on Facebook. And then also LinkedIn, which I know you tell a bit of your story. Matt, for those listening, B-A-N-E-V-E-R is his last name, Matt Benever. And Matt, thank you so much for coming on to a climb to the top stories of transformation. Chuck, this is amazing. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for telling your story and helping other people tell theirs. It is my pleasure. And to all of our listeners, thank you always for tuning in. You can find me at chuckgarcia.com. And to our guest, Matt Banover, and to everyone listening, thank you so much for your time, your attention, your, your, I always love hearing from you and I appreciate that. But Matt, more than anything else, thank you for bringing all of these good vibes into the universe and helping people to tell their stories. We are tuning out here and good night to everybody. Matt, be well. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.